0: Talk. party on sal rock on rock on well welcome back uh podcasters to another episode of the party on john cast this is uh reverend sal samarco a uh, Ordained teaching elder in the Presbyterian Church, USA, in the validated ministry of chaplaincy.
1: Always needing to be validated.
0: Validate me, please.
1: (laughs) So, I'm uh, Reverend Todd Laddick. I am uh, ordained elder in the United Methodist Church, actually in the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey, serving uh, on higher ground from Sal. It's
0: the only higher ground I give them.
1: Amen. So, uh, we have a guest here with us today. I actually... um, and why don't you introduce this guest, Sal? seems fitting Hello. that you would introduce.
0: Uh, I want to introduce him as my pastor. Um, he's the rector of Christ Church Episcopal Church in Warwick, New York, uh, Father Jim.
2: Hey, Sal. How are you? And how I'm you? honored that you would introduce me at that way. Very You're nice. You're welcome. Hi, Todd. Hi. How are you doing? I'm Jim? great. I'm great. So it is, uh, it is good for us to
1: be here today. I, we have something very important to talk, uh, talk about. Our, I, I um, went ahead and made the executive decision of calling this episode For Heaven's Sake. And I think that it's when we choice. get to the end of it, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a good choice. Um, so, but before we do that, before we jump ahead, let us go into our Hebrews segment.
0: Hey, guys. Yes. How do you know that God loves coffee? house out he, uh, he wrote about it in the book of Hebrews oh so bad every time <laughs> again we have this uh, website for the next year or so every time
2: yeah. it, 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 it,
1: once a month people who listen to this podcast are cringing and rolling their eyes at the same time <laughs> we promise to deliver that every time you to look. you okay so uh, we why don't we start with our guests
2: what are you drinking Jim well, I am just drinking uh, filtered water at the moment in my uh, metal container because I am all about recycling and saving and no more plastic bottles. So I'm not up with you guys. I'm not as jazzed as you two. No, That's
1: but you're okay. a lot greener than we are. In a the lot, moment. I'm very green. At the moment. <laughs> That's true. So unfortunately. Um, Dunkin' Donuts is not as woke <laughs> and they still serve things in styrofoam and plastic, plastic. not sure which is worse but anyway um, we well I'll speak for me uh, I am drinking um, an iced latte uh, with a sugar-free blueberry flavoring in it and almond milk
0: you just about spoke for me because I'm drinking an iced latte with sugar-free french vanilla uh, that's what I normally get and skim milk
1: yeah so, I, I won't knock their... La- their lattes are pretty decent.
0: We've mentioned before, their espresso drinks are pretty legit. The, the only problem it's the only I have... a legit thing they have, so... Yeah,
1: I was going to say, the only problem I have with, with, with Dunkin' is just that... Well just that i'm a starbucks guy and there's nothing but dunkin donuts around us that's right like 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 exactly. i have to drive 30 minutes to find a starbucks and you know when you just need yeah. a quick coffee in your area that's not cutting it
0: i've been driving out of my way lately on the way to work just to get <laughs> franklin starbucks so. yeah
1: and by the way if you live in the area sussex county franklin starbucks is one of the better it is better ones. so, so. okay um so that is our Hebrews segment and uh jim is drinking the brew of uh brew a la earth there you go. <laughs> which there is you water go. good water okay so that brings us and i forgive me ahead of time but that brings us into our most excellent music segment
0: Every <laughs> just wait till you hear the final product <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's, it's over the top um so sal start us off with what you're what you're listening to so i
0: i forgot to mention in our intro every episode we talk about theology coffee whatever we're drinking and music uh started out as heavy metal music uh a la our party on wayne's world theme uh, but we've made it turned it into just music so yeah. um i think todd and i have both chosen songs that are kind of apropos for the discussion for today mine is a a song by the the group a perfect circle Uh, if you're familiar with the band tool uh maynard uh the lead singer of tool started this side project kind of a super group and they have a song called talk talk which is off their 2018 album eat the elephant um and uh maynard is kind of known as uh Being critical of the church, especially the American church. Um, And so, this is a song that's actually critical of the church, but I think it kind of is appropriate because the theme is um, the theme of the song is well, you you say that you follow Jesus, well, then why don't you act like it? Um, It's a novel idea. Novel idea. Lyrics are uh, You're waiting on miracles, we're bleeding out. Thoughts and prayers, adorable. Like a cake in a crisis, we're bleeding out. Uh, while you deliberate, bodies accumulate. Sit and talk like Jesus. Try walking like Jesus. Sit and talk like Jesus. Talk like Jesus. Talk, talk, talk. Get the... Do you want to bleep this out later? Probably. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. Get the out of my way. Uh, don't be the problem. Be the solution. Uh, faith without works is... Talk without works is... Faith without works is dead, dead, dead. Uh, sit and talk like Jesus. Try walking like Jesus. Uh, try walking like Jesus. Try braving the rain. Try lifting the stone. Try extending in a hand. Try walking your talk or get the out of my way.
2: Mm.
1: So. Pretty.
2: On point.
0: Yeah, they, point a yeah. Pretty legit critique of the American church, I think. I,
1: funny. It, the funny thing is, is, I was talking to Sal actually on the way. I was sitting at the Dunkin' Donuts, same Dunkin' Donuts Sal went to, and um, I was saying, you know, it would be nice if we actually had some Chris, Christian artists who would actually speak to this so we could get a perspective that understands the church and what it ought to be, but also isn't afraid to vocalize the change that's needed. But we got a lot of non Christians who have no problem vocalizing that. But they do it, in a, in, not that I'm saying he did in this song, but they do it in a way that overgeneral, overgeneralizes the whole church um, and and doesn't necessarily have the appreciation for church-like you know somebody else might well, may I comment on that yeah go ahead.
2: I, I think so many are um, afraid to offend mm-hmm. um, they're afraid that if they say something they'll lose members mm-hmm. in their church um, or they'll alienate their fellow church members or if it's a minister um, they'll they'll lose somebody because um, they say we're not doing enough um, you know that's a point I might talk about a little bit further on sure. down the line but I think that's Sometimes in music, you can say things that people won't say. Oh, yeah. Straight to you. And so that, that's great. Of course, you would have to make it uh, PG uh, rated for us. but uh, Right, right, a, right. could work.
1: Yeah, we'll have to throw in the 80s censor beep. There we go. Bleep.
2: Which we
1: do. So that brings me to uh, my artist is a dear fan of the church. Um, by the oh, name Mark. of Marilyn Manson. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we think Maynard's bad. <laughs> We're... Uh, we're taking it up a notch from there. Uh, but actually, uh, I knew that he, he has an album uh, that came out right after Antichrist Superstar called Hollywood. And that album was in large part a response to the criticism he uh, was getting from media and other places about the violence in his songs and how that contributed to Columbine, Columbine which had happened right around that time. And so he wrote uh, a number of songs, Disposable Teens being one of them. Uh, the Love Song, which is a song I'm going to talk about. He has other songs as well um, on this album that really address the the societal issues that we have and the ch- and the church as well. You know, these high and mighty moral people that are telling uh, kids, don't listen to Marilyn Manson, but they're also supporting guns in the hands of, of kids, you know. And it's like, you know, which is worse, my music or people going into a school and blowing everybody away. And so... Uh, Marilyn Manson has a really interesting way of wording things, and so uh, there's going to be some bleeps here too. But he wrote, um, uh, "I got so this is the love song," uh, and he wrote, "I got a crush on a pretty pistol. Should I tell her that I feel this way? Father told us to be faithful. I got a crush on a pretty pistol. Should I tell her that I feel this way? I got love songs in my head that are killing us away. Do you do you love your guns? Yeah. God. Yeah." The government? Do you love your guns? Yeah. God? Yeah. The government? yeah. I've got love songs in my head killing us away. I've got love songs in my head killing us away. And uh, then goes on to say, She tells me I am a pretty bullet. I'm going to be a star someday. Mother says that we should look away, but she tells me I'm a pretty bullet. And imitation Christ, I've got love songs in my head. They're killing us away. And he goes on, to uh, repeat that whole do you love your guns, God, government, and I, as I was listening because initially I was going to pull up disposable teens, which is somewhat related but not directly related to this incident because they weren't teenagers um, but but then I heard this song and I 'm like, oh this even this even hits it harder um, this idea that we love our our um, we love our guns, we love our God and we love our government and how that all intermingles and becomes like the civic religion we're not really worshiping and he says that in disposable teens i never hated the one true god but the god of the people i hate <laughs> it's like that's that's kind of what he's addressing here i think so a uh, really powerful song um marilyn manson may not be everybody's uh uh tea Come we'll put you. links to we'll uh, link to all this we'll link to all of it but use your discretion if you don't like uh you don't things, like just, curse
0: words. Look, at, I can't
1: it. force you to click or not click anything. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but you're listening to the cursing chaplain. So, <laughs> this, is with it. this is true. This is true. So, are, what are you listening to currently? If you have anything,
2: um, you know, I, I don't listen to very much. Okay, much. I'm I. I would like to tell you that I had um, as much depth in this area that you two have, <laughs> but I do not. Okay,
1: fair I enough. Know. Fair enough. So, um, then that is our most excellent music segment, which brings us right into uh, look at us rolling along like a steam train. Um, but for this episode, I think we need to because there's a bit to cover.
0: It's a lot. It's going to be a heavy conversation.
1: So, uh, for heaven's sake, uh, our main topic is around the the Christian response to violence. In essence, uh, forgiveness. Um, You know, we hear, and I want to make this very clear, uh, none of us as clergy knock thoughts or prayers. Uh, Praying is a very, very important practice in, uh, in the Christian faith. There's power to prayer. Uh, prayer does have the ability to heal, to change, to move mountains. But oftentimes in society, we throw out thoughts and prayers as a way of a being platter. nice, but we're not really going to do anything right, about it. Right, right. It's a platitude. Right. So, so when we talk about thoughts and prayers, I know some people get... Get offended, Like, well, I do sincerely pray and I want this, these things to change. We're not talking about you. <laughs> we're talking about government officials or, or leaders or people who just throw that out there without any real meaning or meat behind it uh, as a platitude um, with no intention of really changing. And how many times are we going to say thoughts and prayers before, you know, action. before we take action? Right. And actually, if we're really praying and thinking about this, it will lead us to action so that's that's really what that's on but i'm sure we're all familiar uh the last well we're recording this on uh the the 15th the middle of august and so the past week has been tumultuous um you're going to be listening to this on september 1st but but it's been, it's been tumultuous couple of weeks with uh, shootings going on in our country. Uh, shootings... Uh, uh, there's the El Paso, Texas uh, racist shooting, and then there was the Dayton, Ohio shooting, which they're still uncovering details for. There are shootings uh, in Philadelphia now uh, with, poli- with police officers yesterday. Yeah, in California, Gilroy.
2: In California. California, yeah. Yep. Food festival in Gilroy.
1: Yeah, so there's just like a- another explosion of... Pun intended, I guess, <laughs> of, of shootings going on around our country, and how do we, you know, how do we process that as Christians? What are, what are we supposed to do as Christians when it comes to to this violence? How do we, how do we, you know, how do we witness to Christ? I guess the most effectively in in a time such as this. So,
0: uh, I <clears throat> I would imagine um, I got a pretty good idea. I would imagine it affected all of our Sundays that Sunday. <laughs> um, yes. Um, and similarly, when I I have the, the advantage, disadvantage of I'm not in the pulpit every Sunday uh, as a chaplain. Um, but that Sunday I happened to be pulpit supplying, filling a pulpit and doing services at my community and responding to a traumatic death in my community. And my message that Sunday was... Jesus is no longer accepting thoughts and prayers. He's de- mm. He's demanding mm. action. Mm. So the question is what action? what action? what action? sure.
1: and and I, I think ultimately um, the, the, in society as a whole, but I think within the church too, you have factions on this very issue, right? You have the God, guns and country folks, and you have the more progressive folks and then you have people kind of caught in, caught in the middle but but instantly the second you mention action around this regard, you've got the people saying, you know like let's throw the Constitution out, ban all weapons period and then you've got the people saying, let's have every weapon we can stockpile in our yard so that if somebody comes into my house and does this, I can blow them away you know and then you've got you've got people in the middle who are like, well, you know, Sensible gun laws, maybe you know. Like, right. can we can we uh, find a happy medium here? At least do something.
2: Well, I, I too threw out my sermon uh, uh, to be used at a later date. I'm sure, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially after I had heard about Dayton. And, you know, I woke up that morning, and that just uh, solidified the fact that I was not giving my sermon. Um, so I had to I had to shoot from the hip um, and speak from the heart. And I was very upset. Um, uh, people in the congregation who saw me. I saw someone sh- visibly shaken and angry and i i did say much what you just said um thoughts and prayers are important they should always be offered but if we are not following, following them with action then they are only hollow that's right they don't they don't have anything um, behind them um and and i apologized to my congregation um, because i said i have not led you well I have not, um, uh, I, I've come out and I have um, had special prayers, I've even had special services, memorial services for different shootings, like the, the Pulse shooting in mm-hmm. Orlando, for instance, um, after the Newtown shooting in Connecticut, um, uh, I uh, had special nights, and we lit candles, and we sang special songs, mm-hmm. and everybody felt consoled, but we did nothing, um, so this, this past um, uh, week, uh, I said we are going to do something now. I have, uh, and I mentioned it, I foreshadowed a moment ago. Um, uh, my my own personal fear of offending someone mm-hmm. um, uh, within my congregation, because while I would say the Episcopal Church in general is left of center um, uh, on most social issues, you you still have people who are right of center, and some people who are all the way right and within my congregation, um, who take. Um, any kind of gun legislation at all mm-hmm. as an affront. Um, they see it as a slippery slope. Um, uh, you take one gun away, uh, you put on any restriction, and then you just cascade down. Right. Um, and you'll lose all your guns. You'll have nothing but restrictions, whatever. Um, but I did take the step out, knowing I would get blowback from mm-hmm. those people, Um, to start a conversation um, within our church, uh, a special evening um, where I had people come in. And uh, there was some venting. um, There was some very raw emotion in there. um, But also trying to get an idea of where are we as a congregation and as individual Christians being called by God to address this because um, gun violence in our society has gotten to epidemic. Portion. Oh, absolutely! You know, yeah. know, so um, yes, I threw out my sermon. That yeah. was a long answer for that, but yeah, um, I uh, did not throw out my
1: sermon, uh, namely because I was in the middle of a, a sermon series. With that said, I did hijack <laughs> mm-hmm. the the community prayer part of it, yeah. and really took time to address it. And actually, I found myself doing that again in uh, on this past Sunday because I just feel that we don't talk about it enough. We are constantly shuffling it under the carpet. So I, I like the fact that you held a, a, a round table discussion, and uh, I actually may borrow that idea because I think we need to be talking about it. This Sunday, I, t- I, I went even further than just the, the violence out there because we, we as Christians we and people in general, we love to look at everything going on out there, but nothing's going on here. Right, right. And so I, I talked about it. I said, look, it starts with us. I mean... What leads somebody with a gun to go into a, a store like Walmart and blow people away? Anger, rage, divisiveness, bitterness. And where are we nurturing that? But right. every aspect of it, we have it right within the church where we're divided. Well,
2: Todd, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, yeah. but I, I truly feel that there are dark forces at play, Me too. and and they are being given a platform, mm-hmm. um, uh, be it with the rhetoric that we're hearing um, uh, on social uh, mm-hmm. media, uh, but also just even from leaders who are using language that incites people. Yes. Um, and but I believe that the church needs to counter that. The church has a message of love. And um, sometimes people act as if that's too touchy-feely or uh, you know, airy-fairy or whatever you want to say about it and then they don't want to actually use that word, love. But Jesus is love. And Jesus, uh, the greatest sacrifice of all time for us because of God's love for us. And we, we have to communicate that message to people to counter these dark, dark messages that are coming across that are angering people and they have easy access to these weapons that can kill a lot of people very quickly Mm. and um, so you see those two things going together so we have to be over here louder than we have ever been before it's wonderful that within our walls that we have this lovely message and the people there in the pews come inside to hear it and to be reminded of how much God loves them but we just completely drop the ball if we don't go out those doors and say that Amen absolutely I
0: I think uh most of our listeners and you guys know two of my tattoos are based on hope you mm-hmm. know uh and i think that's what god is love to know god is to know love from first john but people need the message of hope mm-hmm. and that hope is god's love and we i don't think we share that outside the church building enough
1: yeah i, I would i would agree we don't um i would agree uh, wholeheartedly in fact um I'm talking about this Sunday. Uh, uh, I'm talking about um, relevance, being relevant. Uh, prepare to be relevant is the name name of the sermon. And um, by the time people hear this, I won't be stealing my own thunder. But st- but but in that sermon, I'm addressing that really, what is relevance? Jesus Christ, God. There's nothing more relevant than God, Jesus Christ, and the in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need to be any more relevant than by reflecting Christ and bearing witness to Christ in the world. And we can't do that. If all we're doing is, is following our worldly model of you come to us and we'll give you something. Um, Jesus's model was never come to me and I'll give you a pew and fill you for the week. (laughs) Right. It was, I'm going to come to you. And then when I do come to you, I'm going to not only heal you, but I'm going to invite you into what I'm doing.
0: Um,
1: and, and, And and send you out and send you out. And the church is not, overall doing that and I think that's why at least in the western church I can't speak for other places in the world but the western church um, our model has been we're the center of community. Everybody comes to us, you know, and, and um, we've gotten comfortable that way. And people, want, people when they lament and get all nostalgic about the past, they're lamenting to a time when that worked. Uh, I actually rejoice at the decline in the church because we're going back to a time that Jesus uh, would have much rather us been in than, than where we are now. Not where everything's comfortable and cushy and we have the status in society, but where we're actually countering the evil, wicked forces in this world and giving them Christ in, in return, in you know, in place of those things, and uh, yeah, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah, that can put us out of our comfort zone and mm-hmm. cause people to be mad at us. Um, Jesus never said that wouldn't happen. No. No. <laughs> that was never a promise. That's yeah. Right. So um, I, I really think that that we as Christians need to respond to this, um, and and I guess that. That brings us how do that, that brings us to the, the point of forgiveness that I, I think we're gonna we're gonna go into because one of the things that I see a lot of when people are active, especially you know, not just in the world, but in the church when're we're, we're act, being an activist and we're out there and we're, we're fighting for change and, and, and doing so with the best of intentions. But oftentimes what I see is people screaming and yelling past each other. Like like almost expressing their anger um, violently through through their emotions and their words, maybe not physically violent but but violent in terms of their tone and, and the way that they're conveying it, and we're shouting past each other, and we're not necessarily reflecting God or Christ in that moment we're, we're reflecting our own anger and our own emotions, even though the message may line up with what christ what Christ would want us to do, so how do we how do we Approach the world in a way that is um, that reflects Christ, but also pushes boldly for, for the changes uh, that would will bring in the kingdom of heaven eventually.
0: Uh, get rid of Facebook and Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> Could
1: you imagine what Jesus' day would have looked like if Facebook and Twitter were around? Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's tough. tough. Yeah, that cuts out of the box, is not it? So, you know.
1: Well, you know, what I was kind of thinking of on this is I think we as Christians need to approach the world. You know, Jesus, Jesus didn't forgive us because we asked for forgiveness. And some of us don't even want forgiveness, don't even know that we have the need to be forgiven. Well, Todd,
2: you pointed out earlier that the um, uh, shooter in El Paso is unrepentant. Yeah, uh, he he's, and sh, has demonstrated no remorse. Now it's early on, you know. Yeah, uh, his, his remorse may come because he's going to sit in a very dark cell for a very long time. And I really, he think, make, <laughs> he may find remorse at some point, but he doesn't have it right now. So how do you offer forgiveness to someone like that? Right, right? It's, it's really tough. Yeah. yeah, and as a
0: good Calvinist, we would say that some of it. That we really don't deserve forgiveness from Christ. No. How do we forgive others when we ourselves don't necessarily deserve? Mm-hmm
1: forgiveness yeah and i i think i think we at least from my wesleyan perspective i think and what i love about this this uh this podcast right now is we have a calvinist we have a uh an anglican um and we have a methodist who came out of the anglican tradition but somehow is not reformed enough for the calvinist (laughs) gotta love it (laughs) so anyway um But I guess from my perspective, I would say, you know, Jesus, when he died on the cross, uh, he he uttered the words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it wasn't something that the soldiers driving the nails into him were asking for. It wasn't something that the Pharisees were asking for. Pontius Pilate could care less about forgiveness from some rabble rouser being crucified on a cross. Um, And yet Jesus... Out of his own being and out of his own uh, uh, heart, forgave them anyway and prayed for for their forgiveness, which gets to the heart of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not something we earn or deserve; it's given. Mm-hmm. Um, now I can choose to not accept forgiveness, but it's still given to me. Right. So so there's. There's the person giving the forgiveness. There's the person receiving the forgiveness or not receiving the forgiveness. And then there's this this relationship with with God as well. So you have you have and and um, and then there's the person, perhaps um, the people also like. For instance, I'm not in El Paso. I don't have any family in El Paso. I don't have any relatives who are victims or friends. So I mean, it's easy for me to say, "Father, forgive him for." <laughs> But what about the victims? What about the people who have been hurt by this guy? You know, like.
2: Sure.
1: um, So that's kind of what I wanted to to discuss in terms of, of forgiveness. I think personally that in order for us to effectively witness Christ in the world, we have to come at it from a place of forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean for me. Forgiveness does not mean that we excuse, we justify, we dismiss and we don't address. Forgiveness means look at we are all in this boat together and I sin you sin we all sin sin is sin no matter the scale of it right. and and we all need forgiveness I have been forgiven therefore I forgive mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I'm not going to hold you accountable right. that doesn't mean you shouldn't you know face justice but what that does mean is I'm not going to let your poison poison me mm-hmm. I think that's that's the root of it and then from that if you accept forgiveness that spreads the healing so to right. speak but I, I think if we if we don't start from that base of forgiveness, first having received forgiveness from God and then having gone out, then going out into the world in a spirit of forgiveness, we're just going to be angry people shouting. That's, that's what I think. I
2: think you're right. Yeah I really do. That makes uh, I, I think that's how the tradition that I come from um, of course, recognizes that we're all sinful creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, we do come in as we enter the church, we come in as sinners. Um, we we get, work our way through the, the Episcopal service will take you from that place of, uh, of uh, sin to absolution, uh, to confession, to absolution, and then to the table. For right. you, once you have gotten to that point, then you are uh, able to receive communion at, at that stage. Um, and then ultimately the blessing to send you out into the world, to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world. Um, Sadly, we don't work hard enough at that, as we've talked about already. Um, But addressing the people who don't ask for forgiveness, that that is such a a tough, tough thing. Um, Shooters that are unrepentant, uh, people who create sin of any kind that are unrepentant, how do we forgive them? Um, uh, But but, uh, I... Honestly, Todd, Sal, I don't know that we have to. Um, God has already forgiven him. God is stronger and greater than than any of us will ever be and uh, has more love than any of us can ever do. We We are sinful humans. And I look at some of these people, and it is very hard. Yeah. For me to dredge up any forgiveness for them, um, when I, you know, uh, when I look at a two-month-old whose parents were both slain while they cradled him mm-hmm. um, in, in an aisle in Walmart, how how do you forgive someone who has done that? Yeah. Um, uh, and it's just so hard. Um, and yet, as a man of faith and as a leader of a, a of a community of followers, I'm supposed to preach forgiveness.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I'm torn.
1: Yeah, and I I think what you say something very insightful there. That um, maybe it's not so much our power or or our ability or inability to forgive. But God's ability to forgive, and I'm not necessarily—yes, I can try and struggle and wrestle with forgiveness, and I should, and, and and hopefully we're all coming at as Christians coming at it from that approach, but but maybe it's more resting in God's forgiveness, mm-hmm. that, that I have been forgiven, and some way, somehow, God can and will forgive this person too, and then I— whether I am at that place or not, it's not about beating myself up because I'm imperfect and and I'm struggling with some heinous crime. You know, it's about trusting God, Mm -hmm. right?
0: And that's my approach and my struggle, being a good Presbyterian and trusting in God's sovereignty to forgive. I struggle to forgive, but I come from a place that I know that God has already forgiven my sins. For sure. And your sins are... Jim, your sins and... Todd, your sins—I don't sin,
2: of course. <laughs>
0: that <clears throat> that burden, number one, is too heavy for me to carry. Number two, it's not for me to carry. Yeah, hence the need for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I need to let go of that because that's not my thing to change. Right, right, yeah. I struggle with that. I agree.
1: Yeah. So I think right now we have um, a f- a friend calling in. My friend Billy. Uh, we went to Drew Theological School together. Um, so at this time, I'd like to. Uh, well, let us, let us uh, bring Billy on and uh, talk to him. Billy, hey are you guys.
3: there? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to have it's you. Such a, such a light and happy topic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, y- you know, just to really quickly lead in, you know, my wife just said, hey, what are you listening to? And I said, you know, this podcast and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And she said, well, what are you calling in about? I said, oh, I'm going to call in about Uh, you know the shooting and forgiveness and she said which one
1: (laughs) yeah sad
3: and I'm like really that's you know I I just wanted to kind of pose a question and we've got this these three great theological minds Uh, when you talk (laughs) (laughs) about forgiveness.
0: I don't know we
1: can justify that, but we'll take it.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm looking for three.
3: three. Really interesting. You know, I mean, I could hear the indignation in your voice and, you know, when we're talking about thinking as a Christian about forgiving someone like this person in El Paso, I want to say two things. One, for me, What does forgiveness feel like? Now, obviously, I can't even relate to something this Mm. horrific. But, you know, generally speaking, when when I think of forgiveness, even if someone who really hurt me, but when I forgive them, to me, when I can feel empathy for that person, I've forgiven them. Okay? Mm. I I might not like what they did, but, you know, I can feel empathy for them. That's kind of my kind of goal line of, okay, you've forgiven that person, where when I think of a guy like this, I can't imagine what could happen to him for me to feel any empathy, you know, and I know I'm I'm kind of being dark here, but you you get where I'm coming from. Sure. Sure. In terms of the forgiveness part, I don't know that it's necessarily... Bad to let go of anger and indignation. And Todd, I hear you, man. You can't have people constantly screaming over each other and not being able to control it. But you know what? I'd rather have indignant, angry, unforgiving people of something like this that are yelling than just kind of, as we, you started this whole thing, the sit back and, well, we're just going to send prayers and thoughts. So can I pause? Actions, what are needed.
1: Can I pause? Absolutely. So can I pause you for one second? Well, I'm not going to actually. Done, but sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you no, know, no. We'll let you. We'll let you finish. But I'm not going to po- literally pause you. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. Uh, but I would, and and you and I, the, the uh, Billy, have had this conversation before. I would say that righteous indignation and anger is not mutually exclusive of forgiveness. I, I think you can be – you can bear witness to the forgiveness of Christ and God and still be righteously angry and indignant and seeking justice. Um, and, and I would say that when you get to the place of, of unforgiveness, that leads us toward – I don't know if it's necessarily in the same spot, but that can lead us toward, um, toward hatred – and then we become no better than the person who went into the Walmart and started blowing people away because that was the exact place he was in, is a place of hatred and bitterness. And uh, and so I, I don't think that the two need to be mutually exclusive. And I think in the church, we oftentimes find ourselves in a place of conflating real justice, real um, forgiveness with warm and fuzzy let's skip down the yellow brick road and pretend nothing happened and I don't think that that is real love, real justice or real forgiveness. Um, I think real forgiveness, I can give forgiveness all day but the other end of forgiveness is someone has to accept it and that means they have to acknowledge that they did something wrong to accept it and that's where real reconciliation can take place. So I I think it's a complex topic but I don't think that the two things are mutually exclusive.
3: (coughs) Forgiveness be one-sided then?
1: No, it can it can end up being one-sided. Yes, Mm -hmm. it can be, but it's but true true forgiveness in its fullness is not one-sided.
3: Okay, Uh, I'm I'm trying. I'm kind of going back to uh, what we were. You, you know what we kind of studied in schools, uh, sure. you know sure. discussing the whole concept of from a Korean standpoint Han to really gain forgiveness a person needs to, to To reconcile with God they need to atone to the person they've hurt correct so even though I may or we may forgive that person in El Paso how will he ever gain forgiveness if he doesn't atone or, or at, and at the very least, be sorry about it? Right. I mean, right. how, how does that work?
2: Well, that's a tough one because on one hand, you know, God's forgiveness is, is you know, started on the cross. Um, so he's already gotten it. On one hand, on the other hand, he hasn't asked for it, so the fullness, when you're talking about fullness, I get that I get that part. It, it's, a, it, it's an interactive thing, right for, to have the full expression of forgiveness
0: Yeah and, no, and, you don't think you don't oh, no no, no. And, and forgiveness leading to justice and God's justice doesn't always line up with our justice, our sense of justice, and God's justice starts on the cross. right well
2: just because there's forgiveness doesn't mean there's not a reckoning right um, I, 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 I'm i very southern and I do believe in that word reckoning and you know I, I believe that that does indeed happen whether forgiveness has been accepted or not mm-hmm. um, uh, and I don't know what that's going to be none of us know what that's going to be but I believe it does come sure There ha- yeah. in order
1: for God to be just there needs to be a reckoning right um, so so I would say, Billy, that it, you're right. Han is a, a real thing, and I think what the uh, 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 Park was his last name, right? Who wrote it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think what um, Doctor Park is is talking about there is is the Korean concept of of forgiveness. Isn't I think he was critiquing the the very shallow view of forgiveness of being I did something wrong. I pray to God, I'm forgiven. Meanwhile, the person I've hurt is out there still suffering and that, you know, it's great that I've received God's forgiveness. But what about them uh, where he's saying that the, the fullness of forgiveness, which is Han, the full the fullness of forgiveness is not just me receiving forgiveness from God. But out of receiving that forgiveness, I am then propelled to reconcile with the person I've hurt, if at all possible. And until that happens, the the, the full uh, healing nature of forgiveness, it hasn't really taken effect.
0: I was say that sounds a lot like reconciliation.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's you can't have you can't you can't you can't be a person truly see- repenting and truly seeking forgiveness and not want to right the wrong that you've done if it can be righted. Now there are some cases where you know, like for instance, somebody who's abused their child sexually. Um, It may not be possible for me to reconnect with that child and reconcile. But but uh, there needs to be some sort of um, desire to reconcile and desire to make the right wrong, even if I can't with that person in other ways. And and um, and I think that that's what that that's what Dr. Park was getting at. That sound right to you?
3: Yeah, it does. But I, I'm thinking also and maybe I'm internalizing this too much, but if I if I go with the concept that you were talking about about, you know, forgiving someone, I kinda of get to the point where I start thinking, well, how far do we take that? If I don't do that, all of a sudden, now I'm in the wrong. Hmm. If I'm the type of person who who can't forgive because Christ forgave, because Christ gave the sacrifice, because everyone is already forgiven. Hmm. Um, I'm assuming we don't believe in predestination, but anyway.
1: uh, Well, we do have a Calvinist sitting here. I know, I think (laughs) one of us (laughs) might feel
3: that (laughs) (laughs) way. If I'm turning it on to myself now, where actually I'm the one in some... Weird, kind of mystical way offending because I can't bring myself to forgive. Hmm.
1: Well, I I guess it. hmm. I guess it depends on the heart of the person. Like, if it's something you're wrestling with, but it's not that you refuse to forgive, you know, I think a refusal to forgive makes you. It, it, in some ways – well, no. In some ways, like the refusal to forgive is kind of almost the flip side of the the recognition that we need to be forgiven, right? Like, like if I refuse to forgive, then I'm in a place where I can deem the other person absolutely wrong and I'm in that place because I should be and I'm not forgiving them because they don't deserve it. Like that's one thing versus – I'm really having a hard time I'm really angry and having a hard time forgiving and letting go of what this person did because it was so heinous and so evil. I think I think those are two different things. And if I know you Billy, I don't think you're the former, I think you're the latter. Um oh, yeah. So so that sort of thing is is a real human wrestling with living up to the standard of God which none of us perfectly do. Right, right. Versus the absolute refusal to do something because I know better than God. <laughs> you know?
3: <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get that. Yeah. Is, is this conversation something that we probably, as Christians, should be having about all the horrible violence that seems to be, gosh, it, it seems to be going on every other week? It's it's
1: insane. Is, is this a, is forgiveness a conversation we should even be having? Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Emphatically, yes.
3: Well, this was very helpful. I really appreciate it. Um, it's it, it, it's just hard, you know, it's hard to do. If I, at least I'm speaking for myself. It's hard to do. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not one of those type of people who can ever forgive. And as I said, I haven't had something like this ever, right. thank God, happen to me personally, um, or even really close to the people I know, the, a little bit of 9-11 stuff. But um, that you know, is something that I struggle with and I, I think is just hard for me to do. And when I saw the people, the parents and the the, the sisters and the brothers of the victims of El Paso doing that, um, you know, I, I hope that was piped into that guy's cell so he could see these people that he hated, yeah. you know, how they somehow found the way through tears to do that it was incredibly moving but unfortunately for me I guess it wasn't like hey I agree I forgive that guy too in fact it even made me more angry right. um, but that's me
2: well, um, I, I think uh, you know Billy I don't know you but I think you're underselling yourself I think when you if you came into that situation you uh, would find yourself uh, by by the grace of God uh, acting in ways uh, that would probably surprise you I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I am from uh, and lived in South Carolina for many, many years. I'm from Georgia, but um, when the shooting happened at Emanuel AME Church um, uh, during Bible study uh, in downtown Charleston, uh, uh, you know and eight of the nine people in the room were, were killed um, by that shooter, uh, that white supremacist, um, the family members of those people that were killed to every single one of them, got before the microphone, before the cameras, and forgave him. And it was stunning. Yeah. Stunning. It was one of the—I'm getting goosebumps just remembering yeah. the moment— it was one of the strongest witness I have seen, um, uh, maybe ever in my life, that people in the depths of their mourning, when they were still raw with grief, um, were able to, uh, following Christ's footsteps, and basically say— forgive them for they do not know what they have done. And uh, that that was such a strong witness. And that's what we need to be. We, we, we need to find the words and we need to find the conviction um, because we are so surrounded by hate now. And yeah. the violence uh, is just unrelenting.
3: And the rhetoric that oh. just... And I don't want to get political here, but the rhetoric <laughs> is just... It just never seems to end, and it's, it, you, you just don't think it will get any worse, and you don't think it can come from the mouths that it comes from, and you're just uh, – you're reeling every time you put on the damn television. Yes, let's get rid of
0: Twitter and, and Facebook, but you can't <laughs> escape the news. It's Unfortunately
1: true. And I, and I would say that uh, in in the case of that shooting, um, you better believe those people even as they were uttering those words of forgiveness and showing that, that forgiveness – they were angry. They were oh, hurt. They were sure. bleeding they were... on all ends of that, and they and they probably still are. You know that you don't just walk away from that, and it's all better.
2: Well, and the forgiveness that they were stating, were are not saying we'll let him go. No, no they were. No. They were of course <laughs> fully expecting him and to be held to account for what he had done. Um, yeah. But still, as far as their souls were concerned, they weren't yeah. going. Yeah. They weren't yeah. going to be darkened by that. Things.
0: Was and I not that uh, uh, for fear of sounding two methods that was the power of the holy spirit they were strangely warmed <laughs> that the like when i as a chaplain there are these traumatic events that i enter and i'm like i have no words for these events how am, right. like god how am i going to be helpful and that's where i just have to trust that the holy spirit uh, yeah. will work through me and become allow christ to be shown
1: um, yeah and and I, I would actually say um, I, I think of there are other examples of this happening the Amish. Uh, well, I you know, thought of that too in the, yeah. in the schoolhouse. Yeah. Yeah, in the community, uh, where where, well, obviously in that case the the man. Uh, died, so the, there was no justice that was going to come from that. Uh, you know, in terms of any sort of penal punishment, but they chose not to hold the family and the the family of this man and anybody else accountable. They forgave him. They sh- they showed hospitality to the wife and and children of this man who did this and. Um, I don't think that's anything any one of us as Jim said I don't think any one of us can fathom doing that it happens by the grace of God it comes out of our faith and, and the grace of God just takes over I don't think humanly speaking we could ever do that on our own I think that has to be God that has to be God, right. that to right. be God. so um, hey Billy I want to I want to thank you for calling in
3: no I, I... I love the show and I and I love the perspective that you guys have, um, you know, because sometimes when you, when, and you know, I don't like to do this, but if you get onto like a, a conversation board or a Facebook, it turns into either people absolutely agreeing with you or a fight. You know, just <laughs> yeah, uh, seems to be no middle ground. But yeah, listen, this is all food for thought for me. You know, I'm 57, and I think like I always, I seem to never be able to get there, and so I'm always kind of trying to evolve. But it's helpful. But I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for letting me
1: call in. Oh, you bet! And uh, uh, hopefully, you'll you'll listen to the fu- uh, the finished product of this and let us know what you think of the show as a whole.
3: I always do. In fact, I'm yelling at the computer while you guys are talking. <laughs> <you> guys. <laughs> sounds,
1: sounds good. <laughs> All right. Take, take it easy, Billy. Bye-bye. All right, Thanks, bye. Billy. So um, that, was, that was enlightening. It was. It was a good it was conversation. great
2: conversation. Super.
1: So, uh, that is, this is as on time as I think we've ever been. Uh, so we have to have, uh, Jim on again, oh, I <laughs> I, love that. you've yeah, kept I, us the task. Well,
2: oh. <laughs> the dad in the room kept you to task. That's right.
3: There
1: you go. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on, Thank Jim. You and, uh, and, uh, Sal, I think we, we have a, for heaven's sake, for heaven's sake. let us start living our faith out.
0: I think the Johns would agree.
1: I think the, the Johns would agree, and I think there's a gong in there. Okay, so <laughs> um, so at this point, I guess um, for those of you who are our patrons, you know that there is a bonus segment coming, so uh, check that out. For those of you who are not... Um, Become a patron. Why aren't you a patron? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Exactly.
1: So, uh, as always, uh, the things we referenced uh, will be linked to the episode notes. uh, And we will, uh, of course, invite you to tune in next time uh, when we go to episode 17. 17. I cannot believe we're going into October now. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, So until next time, friends, party on.
0: Be excellent to each other and don't be a jerk.
1: Or else the black belt chaplain will come after you. That's right. That's (laughs) all right, God bless guys.